Our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. You mean shenanigans? No. Oh. You're shenanigans, right? Are you ready to go over there? Yes. All right, then I guess I got to say welcome to... Podcast. And Random Heroes Cheeky Shenanigans. My name is Jesse, a.k.a. Random Hero. My name's Nick, a.k.a. Punk Ass. My name is Ben, a.k.a. Not Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> and we have our first guest, well, our first guest who's not my best friend, Aaron, in studios. His name is Ben, also goes by Little Ben sometimes for his promotions, correct? It's a professional name. Professional. And a personal name. That's a long story. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to know where this little Ben name came from because I had my theories. Well, much see. like the Jokers, do you know how I got these scars? There's like 15 variations of how the name little Ben came to be. <laughs> None of them involved stalkers walking up behind you in the locker room? The the true story, which actually this will be for you guys' podcast, the actual true story. <sighs> is awesome. Many, many, many years ago, I played in a band, and uh, the drummer's name was Ben Wyatt. And I was in the band, and of course, every time the singer said, Ben, we both said, what? That got fucking annoying. So he started calling us Little Ben and Big Ben to make his life easier, and that just kind of stuck. So when, when I went into promoting music, um, yeah. I went under the Little Ben Productions moniker, and for many years, people have just known me by Little Ben. Also, uh, my adopted family, uh, we've patched things up a little bit over the years, but I had a hard time like identifying with that name because I never felt like I was a part of that family. Mm -hmm. So Little Ben was kind of my my own personality, my own identity. And that's something that you've brought into like your comedy and your playing in a band and all that stuff also? Right. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, I did. I saw, I was watching YouTube the other night on my lunch break and I, for some reason you popped up on YouTube on one of your little stand-up skits or whatever. So Ooh. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, might have been because I commented on your podcast yeah, video. Yeah, I think that's what. Yeah, think <laughs> that's algorithms. Yeah, so it was a joke about you liking YouTube more than Netflix. Yeah, well, it was a joke about just liking YouTube, but yeah, the Netflix is how I lead it in, and then uh, the the joke essentially the punchline is about like starting watching a Rage Against the Machine video and ended up watching a kangaroo fuck a rabbit. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you're an interesting person like us in that you've done, like, music and comedy and things like that. So just real quick, what what kind of brought you into doing stand-up at first, or what, what was part of your process there? A very close friend of mine passed away, and I had been dabbling with stand-up at that time, but um, it was very devastating for me, so I, I really dove headfirst into the comedy world because, you know, laughter is the best medicine. I don't care who you are. You know, that's very much true. Yeah. So uh, comedy filled a big void for me for the longest time. And I actually, not bragging, but I was very successful at it, and that was a very good thing. Like, I actually t am taking a break right now because I was so successful it actually became more of a chore than a joy after a while. <laughs> really? Yeah. Kind of like a job? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, and I, I've heard about you know him for a long time before I had done stand up, and obviously I knew you way way back in the day doing music promotion and stuff. But I still have not actually gotten to see you do it, and yet you've given me such helpful like uh, notes and critique and advice for when I was trying to do it. That you know, it just it was a great honor to get you to come in and do the show. Also, well, I appreciate it. I saw uh, your show when you did the open mic at Tony V's Garage. And you did fantastic. You had a lot of people laughing, and I mean, you, a lot of people showed up to watch you perform, and that's a great start, you know. It's, it, there's a lot of work that goes into any performance art, as you know. Like, I mean, 
60% of it's passion, but 40% of it's just straight up work. And yeah, and like 5% alcohol. Or yeah. <laughs> so then, who, like, what's your, who's your inspiration then to do comedy, you know? Um, I just always loved comedy. Most of the things that I dive into in my life stem from something that I love. And yeah. it's just like, I want to fucking do that. And so, like, that was me starting being a musician many, many years ago was me being a fucking rock and roll fan. And then uh, promoting music kind of came from, like, holy shit, I can actually meet bands and be friends with them yeah, like that, I'm, that even now cool. 43 years old i'm still a fan like a lot of the bands i work with at my club mm -hmm. i love them they're 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 awesome bands and i love seeing them play and so it's cool for me that they come in and they have this great level of respect for me and i'm just jazzed to be like you know i get to host you guys essentially you know and that's awesome right yeah and you've been doing that for a long time and you work at tony v's which is the club right across the street from the bar i work at so we see each other a lot and you definitely do get to work with like a lot of big crowds and stuff what what's it kind of like having to be a bouncer for a club like that like, i don't know but... more on a rock night than we're, we're gonna leave hip-hop nights out of this for the time being but oh. let's just go for like a good rock well, that's night. not interesting <laughs> no, i'm just kidding i guess he doesn't like hip-hop well i already explained no, i like hip-hop like as a as a music style of course yeah. but in a live aspect it becomes a big security nightmare so yeah, that's I what can, we're discussing. I can see that. Um, but yeah. to answer his question, I mean, uh, yeah, because my job is is multifaceted. I do booking. I do stage management. I, you know, run the floor quite often when Tony's not there himself. I also run the security. So it's a lot going on, but it's just, you know. Well, that that's crazy to me because I want to know how you guys were able to book Mushroom Head, which I'm looking forward to. That's going to be an awesome show. That is going to be uh, an awesome Quick plug, show. February 24th at Tony V's Garage, yeah. Mushroom Head I'm, Live. I'm going to be going to that one. You are? Yeah. Is that, are those guys punk or are they like more hard? Uh, Mushroom, Head, Mushroom Head, I like to call them uh, Diet Slipknot. Yes. Oh. It, it was like a feud between Mushroom Head and Slipknot who started the mask first yeah. type deal. Okay, yeah. so they kind of have and a And I call them play. Diet Slipknot because they're not quite at Slipknot's no. level. But no. I mean, they're fucking, they're awesome. They are. They put on a hell of a show. And to answer your question, uh, you know, the national shows, of course, Tony books. I'm more booked in the local spectrum. Um, okay. So Tony, you know, he deals with a lot of uh, talent buyers and things in the national aspect. And it's, it's great that we've got a lot of these guys sending us shows. Uh, he's been in negotiations for 69 Eyes to come into the club. We were talking about that recently. I do like them. I might have to go see that one. Yeah, that's going to be a big one, too, if we buy that show. I don't know if Tony's going to buy it yet, but we discussed it. Um, so he's trying to get a lot of those bigger shows in the club, and we're pretty excited about that. Nice, nice. Okay, so people have kind of a general idea of who you are. Now let's completely change the subject so that it has nothing to do with you specifically. And let's get your take on what the fuck is going on with the Super Bowl and why do we have to deal with the Patriots being <laughs> yeah, in again? I hate fucking Tom Brady. I'm tired of this Patriots Super Bowl so, shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my best friend Barbie, whom Jesse knows and you're going to have on the show eventually. Yes, um, I can't wait for that one also. We, we oh, just have this Barbie. running joke, and we saw a meme that just fleshed it out perfectly that showed all the NFL team logos and says, it doesn't matter what team you like. And on the bottom of the meme, it says, everybody hates Tom Brady. Yes. And uh, so uh, Barbie and I share a hatred of the Patriots that we've had for many years. Um, and, you know, so this – I was – before I moved to Washington, I was a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Okay. So when the Seahawks didn't make it, uh, I put all my eggs in the Chiefs basket, and so, so did I. Yeah. That was... And you know, so that was a, that was a heartbreaker that the Chiefs didn't win. But you know, to give you the honest answer to your question, I enjoy football on a kind of mediocre level. Like it's fun to watch with friends sometimes, and that the team you're rooting for wins, it's fun. But I don't invest like too much into it. 
I, I'm not so so much of a dick that I call it sports ball and laugh at it. Like I understand, <laughs> I understand why there's a community for football. It's fun, and it's a fun way to spend time with friends and you know root for a team. And if your team wins, it's a good day. You know, I get I get it. Um, but I'm not a person like t- this answers your question for the Super Bowl. I actually don't give a shit. Like I don't really give a shit. The, the teams I cared about or the teams I, I, I at least somewhat thought, hey, it'd be cool if they won. They're not in it. So I don't care. I'll be doing other things. Yeah. And really, I mean, it's really just boiled down to the Super Bowl being some team versus the Patriots. Well, and I'm going to go people for People are LA. just getting tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. As a Seahawks <laughs> fan, you're in the NFC West. The Rams are one of your biggest rivals. Now we're in the position of kind of rooting for yeah, them. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. Because I just don't want to see that smile. I just get. that's well. Here's the thing, and I'll say this just really quick for the Seahawks fans out there. I don't. I'm not saying I'm a Seahawks fan. I'm saying I'm somebody who's watched the games with my best friend and paid attention. You have to be proud of what the team did this year with the almost brand no, new yeah, that was... offensive line and an almost brand new defensive line. A bunch of young guys. They a... they won a lot of games. And referencing those Rams games, both of those were close. Yes, yes, yes they were super yeah. close. Um, so you know. Uh, you, for you actual diehard Seahawks fans, be proud of your team. I, I was impressed, you know, watching them play with all these new guys and just looking good out there. Yeah, honestly, I was expecting them just not to make it at all, you know, because it was like a brand new team and new yeah. people. So I was already expecting them not to make the playoffs. And when they made the playoffs, I was like, holy shit. I was I, expecting them not to win five fucking yeah, games. I know. <laughs> like, I was, most people didn't. I was, I was really excited when they made the playoffs, and I got my hopes up, and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm just going to keep my <laughs> standards, standards low again. Dial and, it back and to reality. Yeah. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> that chance went away. Okay. Um, well, that's good. I think that echoes the sentiment of a lot of people, and frankly, even if you don't have a team that's in the Super Bowl, we can all agree that the Patriots don't need another one, so fuck those guys. I actually have friends that are Patriots fans, and that, that's fine. Like I said, you know, like – I don't invest enough into football to, like, get upset because somebody roots for a team I don't like, you know. Um, unless I don't like that person, then that just adds a layer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'm not going to dislike a person because of a football team they like. Okay. Now answer me this then. Would you dislike a person? Okay, dislike's too strong of a question, but do you judge people who like a different, like, comic universe than you do? Like, if you're more Marvel or DC, do you look down on the other ones at all? No, that's actually an interesting question yeah. because um, – in general, and, and I'm just going to give you a very general fucking answer to this question, my personality is such where I don't judge people for anything, for their political affiliation, for what teams they like, for what music they listen to. That's really I, awesome. I preach this for years. I judge people based on the merit of the individual, and I wish people would get on board with this goddamn philosophy. It doesn't matter if somebody's a conservative, a Republican, black, white, Mexican, fucking if they're gay, straight, whatever. There are shitty people in this world, and there are cool people in this world. And all you have to do is identify if the person you're actually talking to and interacting with is a fucking shitty person or a fucking cool person. It's that goddamn simple. It really is, and that makes me nervous because I'm not so sure I want to know where I sit on that spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, and and, I mean... I wouldn't be here if I didn't think you weren't a cool person. I thought you came to me. And Nick might be a really shitty person, but you know... I'm a sweet, lovable person. Prove it. You want me to suck your dick? No. Oh, I okay. Prove that you're a sweet and lovable hey, for, person. For the audience, since this isn't on video, uh, uh, due to tech issues, these guys are sharing a mic tonight, and they're damn near kissing every time yeah, they talk. Yeah, so and basically, awesome. like, right, one leg is in between Nick's legs, and then the we're kind of, like, you know, interlocking <laughs> almost, and the only thing missing is Nick to take off those dickies and just jump on. 
Yeah. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we had really bad technical difficulties, and I feel really bad, but thank you for sticking it out. So we oh, yeah, no worries. This. I yeah. appreciate you guys inviting me, man. Cool. <laughs> so um, we, we mentioned comic books real quick. I know that you're as nerdy as I am. Um, let's go with who your favorite comic book character is that's in a current cinematic universe, and what are you excited for next? Like, what's kind of got you amped up for... Marvel I'm, or I'm DC. finally starting to get a little fatigue with the MCU, and I was talking to a friend about this the other day. Like, I'm excited for all the movies coming out, but I mean, pretty much everything that could wow us and surprise us has been done. We never thought we'd get a Black Panther movie. We've got one. We never thought we'd get Guardians of the Galaxy. We got that. Um, you know, we never thought we'd get a Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man. We got that and got more coming, you know? So it's like... Uh, for me, it's like, yay. I mean, I'll watch them because, hey, I like the properties, but it's, it's the excitement's not what it used to be. It's like when you start fucking a girl, you know, you fuck her for like a month, and it's like, oh my God, I'm fucking this girl. And it's then always, after like eight months, you're like, oh shit, I'm fucking this girl. Routine. I'm kidding. I'm routine. kidding. <laughs> um, well, not to derail that too much because that was hilarious, but you mentioned uh, Black Panther, and uh, since now it's like uh, Oscar season. That film got like six or seven nominations, including Best Picture. Now, it was only a matter of time before a comic book movie did it, but do you feel that Black Panther is the one that should win first Best Picture no, for any comic No, not even book? a little bit. No. And I am saying this as a black person. I'm going to be honest with you. That movie fell apart in the third act. The first two acts of that movie were fantastic. When you got into all the goddamn CG Black Panther fighting Killmonger, like uh -huh. it was just, it was, it was hard to watch. It was bullshit. I mean, it, the movie in general was good. It, it was good, and I enjoyed the movie. Does it deserve all the fucking, you know, buzz and praise it's getting? No, because in the in the realm of the MCU films, I think there's many films that stand volumes above that. I do think, which, to an extent, that's fine. It's valid. I think some of this is, you know, like. Uh, Affirmative action, I hate to say it. it's a form of it because it's like, hey, we've got an almost entirely black cast in a mainstream yeah. Marvel movie, which is, is awesome. That that in itself is a landmark. It's a complete landmark. And should be rewarded, but and, this is a hefty reward for right. doing that. And I think there are better movies. I think, honestly, if you were to ask me what my top three Marvel Cinematic Universe movies were, we're I can, say, I can yeah. say that without even hesitating. The original Iron Man, because it was a milestone, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. It was an intrigue movie. It stood out from all the other Marvel Cinematic Universe movies because it had a completely different tone. It was very serious. It was very tense. There was a lot of tense moments, like when Nick Fury got shot in the apartment. Yep. There's a lot of just moments that made you yeah. like, holy shit. That movie stood apart, and it was an amazing movie, and I could watch that movie a gazillion times. And then I can't believe I'm going to say this because <laughs> I wanted to hate this movie. The third one is Thor Ragnarok. Oh, so good. It's so good. It I've watched good. that thing like 20 times. It grew on me. The 80s retro soundtrack, the way they did the film. I mean, it's this is what I call art because I had a whole different expectation for Ragnarok. And like a lot of comic nerds, I was a little pissed because Ragnarok's supposed to be like a whole different story. Ragnarok as a character actually is fucking Thor. A lot of people don't yeah, know this. Yeah. Um, but putting all that aside... When I stepped back and looked at what they did with this film, and it's entertaining to watch. It's fun to watch. You watch this thing, and you have a good time from start to finish. The colors, the music, the acting is phenomenal. Well, yeah, especially with the fight with Hulk, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody's a treat, you know. Um, and I put that even way above uh, Infinity War, and I've got my issues with Infinity War. I don't think it's a bad really? film. 
Yeah. Oh, I've got tons of issues with that movie. Oh, that wow. could be a four-hour podcast. Wow. Trust me. <laughs> we may have to come back for another. I enjoy the movie. I'll, I'll give you my biggest one. This is just a small one at the very beginning of the film. Any comic nerd knows that a fucking Hulk Thanos fight is gonna last a lot longer than thirty seconds. That was complete bullshit. Well, I feel like they're waiting for this new end game that's coming out because I was still I was asking Jesse what he thought about why uh the Hulk didn't come out in Infinity War. I don't know. Do you have an opinion about that? Well one? the director said they they specifically said the reason he didn't come out is because it's uh him not wanting Bruce Banner to run to him every time he's in trouble. Now that's what you were saying yeah. too. That's so, actually yeah. per the directors. Yeah. Um, their vision on that. I mean, and the great thing about these type of properties is, you know, fans have their theories. Fan theories are always fun, you know, and even when the director says this is canon and this is why this happened, you can still have kind of create in your own mind what was really happening. Yeah. And the, the thing about fans and their theories and all that that we kind of touched on, I think it was last week's episode, is the, the I'm I'm great with all that. I think it's fun and it's fun to read and kind of evaluate and see what resonates with you and what you think might be true. But I hate it when fans take it to that next level where they get upset if their ideas or their viewpoint or their uh, guesses aren't correct. And they're like, well, then, you know, my way was the only way to do it right. So since you did something else, you're wrong about Well, that. and their expectations. And Ragnarok is a great example of that because Ragnarok completely subverted my expectations for that movie. But ended up being something that I enjoyed. You know, in the comic book world, I mean, if you're a comic nerd, you know this. Even comics as properties, they change with the author, they change with the writer, they change with yeah. the artist that's drawing the characters. So it's always the vision of the person who's telling the story. And in the movie world, you know, the expectations for a lot of comic fans, well, we need it, you know, just like it is in the comics. Like, well, this is somebody else telling this story. They do have some creative license to tell this story in a way they want to tell it, especially to fit like a two-hour time live action frame, yeah. which I would never want to tackle that with a comic property. I, I would suck these guys' dicks because people <laughs> understand how hard it is with a story like Civil War or the Infinity War. You know, to put this in a two-hour movie, that's almost impossible. Yeah. And these guys did it, made it entertaining, you know. All right. Well, nice. I feel like they nailed the whole comic. By the way, Seriously. I think I fucked up. When you said, when I listed my top three, did I say Civil War? Because I meant the Winter Soldier. You said yeah, Winter yeah, Soldier. Yeah, yeah. I did say Winter yes. Soldier. I was making sure, because sometimes I mix those. But Civil War is a great movie, but the Winter Soldier, in my mind, is honestly top tier, even above Iron Man. That movie is fantastic. I, I really liked that one, too, and kind of the spy feel of it. Nick, what are your top three from just the Marvel Cinematic Universe? So Deadpool doesn't count. The original X-Men movies don't count. Only the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, I'm going to have to agree with Iron Man because that was the very first one. And I wasn't really a big comic book fan back then. So watching that made me turn into wanting to love comics and getting, getting into it That's more. awesome. Yeah. Um, Iron Man, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. I really enjoyed that one because I'm into space and, you know, aliens and all that. So that really hit heart for me. And they put a lot of really good casting into that one also. Yeah, yeah. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, um, uh, Bradley Cooper, um, and then they took a huge gamble on um, the guy who plays Drax, which I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, he's the um, wrestler. He yeah. also, he also Batista, played in... Uh, Batista. Yep, yeah. Batista. Well, the wrestler name. I don't know his real name. Yeah. yeah. He also but, played in the original Man with the Iron Fist, which, by the way, is an awesome movie. I haven't seen that. What? He did? What, what yeah, is it? he was Brass Body. In, in the Man with the Iron Fist? The Man with the Iron Fist is uh, uh, What's-His-Fuck from Wu-Tang Clan does that movie, and he actually plays the man with the iron fist. And uh, I know his name, but since we're in a podcast, my brain's breaking is right now. Is it Method Man or Red Man, one of no. those guys? No, uh, it's a no. different one. 
Um, yeah, this guy's been in a few movies, but he's 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 uh, friends with Tarantino and does you know like loves you know martial arts and stuff like that. So this movie, much like Pacific Rim, is basically live action anime. Yes, but just in, but just in a different style because this movie is more like the type of anime where you have you know the very super gory like ninja fights and stuff like that. Yep. yep. Um, and all the characters have really cool names. Like you've got like I said, his character is called Brass Body, and then you've got a. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember a bronze tiger and our bronze lion and gold lion and you know just all these wow. like super out there characters but the movie's super entertaining it's fun to watch I really enjoy it it's, it's the one where uh, Russell Crowe's in it and he's Jackknife Jack the Knife still haven't seen it but now I'm gonna have to this sounds awesome oh it's freaking great <laughs> hey wait before uh, Iron Man wasn't Hulk like the very first one no no Hulk came yes. out just okay. after Iron Man technically wasn't there technically yes Iron Man was considered the first one because um, there had been uh, a Hulk movie prior. Yeah. Uh, which was with, I forget the actor's name, but the Edward Eric Norton Banner. Hulk was the first Hulk that was supposed to be technically in the MCU. Yes. Problem was, Edward Norton's character didn't carry over to the Hulk when they did Avengers. Right. Um, they, oh. they recast. So that was one of the few recastings in Marvel was when they recast uh, Mark Ruffalo for the Bruce Banner role. And honestly, I think... I know a lot of people like Mark Ruffalo, and he, he fits for the you know what they're doing. But I think having that Edward Norton Hulk would have added a di- completely different new dimension to the Avengers and what they were doing with it. But they went a different way. It really did, and he he did a good job in it, like he does in all of his movies. But it seems like the the consensus is that it's hard to work with him because he either wants like final cut or he wants to be like an executive producer and kind of decide how the movie goes overall. So he, he's working on this movie, and then if it's not edited how he likes, suddenly he just disavows the whole franchise, and you've got to recast Hulk. Yeah, and I think both ends of that spectrum have to find a balance because I know there's a lot of studios that won't give any creative license to directors or to actors mm-hmm. and actresses. And I've heard a lot of directors say, you know, this movie was great because I kind of let the actors and actresses go and do their thing, you know. And then I've heard actors and actresses say, well, this movie was great because the director was great at directing. He, he gave us a good direction. So it kind of depends on the personality types. You know, even uh, doing what we do for a living, you know, uh, in the live music industry, you know, I, I, I have a certain amount of responsibilities and authority but I always tell the bands when they get there, man, you're here to have a good time. You know, be you, right. have fun. You know, like, I don't want to create this environment right off the bat where it's like, hey, follow these rules and don't fuck up. It's more like, hey, it's good to see you. You know, I mean, here's a couple things you got to remember, but you're here to have a good time. Have fun. Have you ever had any bad apples where they just, like, didn't want to follow the rules at all? And just, oh, like, yeah. Total dicks? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Tony's going to hear this podcast, and I'll say it on the goddamn podcast. Tony's uh, band, hi, Tony. Tony's band doesn't do shit. As oh, far as the club rules, they'll fucking have glass on the stage and fucking <laughs> they'll do whatever. But he owns the bar, so I can't say shit about it. Well, I really because I saw Guttermouth. I don't know if you know who. Oh they yeah, are. yeah. I saw Guttermouth. <laughs> was he really gonna say I don't know if you know who I Guttermouth is? I, <laughs> he did. I, I don't know. I don't know. And I really enjoyed it because that was the first time I've been to Tony V since they merged into that new section of the building. Right. And, and I really enjoy that stage now instead of the old one in the past bar. There's pluses on both. I mean, a lot of people really dug the old place because it had that great just dive feel. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a small room. The bands played, like, right there next yeah, to the front door. There. I loved it. Yeah, yeah we fucking, I played there in, the, in yeah. the old room, and I hosted shows there, and it was a great time. It was a fucking great time. I mean, the new room, yes. I mean, we are more of a venue now. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a lot that is involved with that. 
and there's pluses and there's minuses you know to to really keep that place operating and going you know we have to have shows roughly with 100 plus people every weekend mm -hmm. because if we got you know whereas in the old side you could have 20 30 people in there the bar does great it's right, fine it's full, yeah you know when you have a larger room like that you've got to get more people in you got to ride the bands a little harder to promote you know we've got to promote so it's just a lot more involved but yeah it's Speaking of that Guttermouth show, I was right in the front row because I really love this band, and this chick wanted to get in front of me, right in front of the stage, and I wouldn't let her, so I had my elbows up. And so what she decided to do was she fucking put her finger in my ass, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I was so pissed. She kept going down to my ass. I was like knocking like the fuck. under the jeans? No, but just over the jeans. <laughs> I was trying to stick it in there, dude, and I wanted to punch her in the face, but I didn't do you it. You didn't know this girl at all? No, nothing. And she was just like... yeah. Exactly, and it felt so awkward, and then it felt violated. Okay, so so as as a security guy for that club, <laughs> if you were to have Nick walk up to you and he tells you exactly what he just told us on this podcast, what would be your response to that? Yeah, I've had that happen a lot, actually. Um, really? <laughs> oh yeah, man, you'd be surprised. Well, it happened to me. So well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story, and this is this is not super referencing what Nick talked about because a lot of people ask me this. I, I had a security guy uh, who I will not name um, who one night we had a big show um, with uh, Baby Bash was the artist. And um, so, yeah, he's he's a 90s R&B guy. Super cool guy. He But, you know, there, the limo had a flat tire. It took him like an hour and a half to get to the venue later than he was supposed to. The crowd was super drunk and super testy. And so when he gets on stage, basically the women that are up in the front just start fucking mobbing on each other and to the point where he was like hey stop fighting stop fighting and then he goes fuck it i'm just gonna pull out i'm just gonna take video and pulls out a cell phone but the the point of the story is i had a, a mexican couple walking out of the bar and you know that looked like they had got kicked out and, and just mm -hmm. looking at them it was like these guys don't look drunk they don't look like they're causing any problems you know they're just walking out normally so i stopped him and i asked him i was like you know what's the deal and she's yeah. like well your bouncer kicked me out because you know, I punched this girl because I was up at the front of the stage and she elbowed me in, in the head tr twice trying to move me out of the way mm -hmm. so she could get to the front. And then I realized that the girl in question was super drunk, could barely walk, but she happened to be really hot. Oh. And so my bouncer's over there like trying to console her and talk to her and all this kind of stuff. And I walked up and told him, get her the fuck out of here. She's drunk. She can't even walk straight. And I told that couple, please go back in and enjoy the show. You paid 25 bucks for the show. Yeah. Go back in and enjoy the show. A big part of the security job, to give you more, a lot of my answers are going to be more general, um, is to read a situation, to understand what's actually going on. Because there's three sides to every story. It's hard sometimes to know what's happening. People pay to walk into our place most often than not because we have live entertainment. So I'm not going to lightly kick them out of the bar. I'm going to make sure I have a good reason, and I'm going to make sure it's justified and validated. And then if it is, fuck yeah, get the hell out of my bar. But if it's not, I'm going to talk to them, find out what the situation is, and try to rectify it. Nice. And that, that's definitely a good answer. But now I want to go a little <laughs> hypothetical and just put you in the spot to actually be like Nick coming up to you and saying, hey, Ben. Hey, uh, hey some chick stuck a finger in my ass. I, I need some help. Um, <laughs> my response would be, if you come complaining to security because some chick was fingering your ass, you definitely do need help. <laughs> and then right at the end of the show, the guttermouth singer, he was fucked up, I believe. When I was there, he was on something. Um, somebody came from behind me and lifted me up on the stage, and I was up there, and the guttermouth singer was laying on the floor, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. So I offered him my hand, and he was like, Ah, get out of here. I'm like, You should have laid down next to him. Ah, I should have, but or like, I didn't. 
taking a cell phone. And video. then I like went backstage. I'm like, I don't know where I go. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. See, I that was the very first place I ever played a live show. Um, it was still called Jimmy Z's at the time, and this would have been somewhere in 03, 04. And I was 19 at the time. And when you went to the old Jimmy Z's, it was the entire bottom floor of that building back then. So it was the old Tony's and the new one put together. Right, and the small area was called the green room. Right, right. And you didn't really get back there a whole lot unless you were playing. And so we'd come in and we'd play, and the whole bar was 21 over in those days. So there was a little, like, white tape square of carpet back behind the soundboard right next to the stage where anyone under 21 had to just be... Unless they were on the stage. And then when you were done, you had to leave the building. And it was a weird feeling, but, like, I, I, I love that stage. It's it's always going to hold a special place in my heart because of those days, you know? Well, it's a great stage. And that room in general, like, not to get all sappy or anything, but I worked there when it was Jimmy Z's. I did shows there when it was Haley's for a while and did shows for Tony when he was next door. And, you know, now currently work there, you know, as its current iteration as Tony B's Garage. And so I've, I've had big history with that building, like, 15 years. And so, you know, I... I Honestly, I'm grateful to Tony for giving me a great position there, you know, where I can thrive in an environment that I'm, you know, I like and that I'm good at what I do. So that's awesome. And he's so funny. He's totally that little curmudgeon with a heart of gold kind of guy, you know, like he can be a total dick all the time or he can act like a dick some of the times. But like when it comes down to it, he always does great community events and, uh, you know, he always gives people chances and stuff like that. And I've always liked that about Tony. Tony's a, a unique animal. Um I've known him for a long time now and worked for him for quite a while, too, probably six or seven years at this point. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, understanding Tony, he's a no-bullshit kind of guy, and that's something I always liked about him. He's straight from the hip. He'll tell you exactly what he thinks, exactly what he feels. Um, yes, he's he's got a good heart. I mean, he's he's like me. He's kind of an asshole, and, you know, it depends on the moment, depends on the person. If the situation, you know, asks for you to be an asshole, then you're an asshole. You know, we are not pushovers. That's one thing Tony and I have in common, and one reason we get along is because we're not fucking pushovers. But, I mean, we're good guys, and, and we're, we're cool when it needs to be cool and caring when it needs to be caring. And when you need to be an asshole, we're assholes. I think that's the best way I can Fuck explain yeah. it. Fuck yeah. Nick, where was your first show at? My first, like, seeing a show? No, like playing in a band, your first show. Well, Live in front of people with a band. Oh, uh, that would be with you, Jesse. Oh, when was that? Uh, I really didn't know this, actually. I thought seriously? You, yeah, no. I thought you'd been in bands before that. No, searching on Craigslist and finding Aaron's ad for a guitar player for uh, Pride Fails. Yeah. That was my first time ever uh, joining a band because when I was growing up as a teenager, I've always wanted to be in a band, but I never took the time or you know the work trying to find people or friends that actually wanted to do it. And while I was working... One time, my best friend, he was like, hey, why don't you, you know, look on Craigslist and see if there's anybody hiring for a guitar player. I was like, well, you know what? I think I will. And that's when I found Aaron. And then I tried out for him, and he liked me, I guess. And then he found you in Oregon and brought you back. Well, I mean, I, I knew that part of the story, but since I didn't realize that was your first real I, band, like, where did we play our I first show as I think we played Fails? at, uh, what's that place in Arlington? Uh, the Mirkwood? Yeah, I think we played in Mirkwood. It was okay. their first show. We did a couple there. Uh, have you, You've played the Mirkwood, haven't you, Ben? Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, we're, was it a CT I really, you were in? I really don't like the Mirkwood anymore. No, it wasn't a CT. It was an Endless Grey. But we, Endless, Grey. Endless Grey, we didn't play the Mirkwood. We mostly played Studio 7 and places like that. Okay. I don't know if you remember. We were playing New Year's Eve night, and they cut it short because they wanted the other band to fucking play sooner yeah they they had booked a whole show where we were going to end up being really close to midnight on the actual show 
And then at the last second, they worked in their house band, the Scoblins, like uh, one of the owner's band. And they worked them in and cut us down to about a 20-minute set, down from 45, I think. Something like that. So after that, I don't really want to play there anymore. But uh, I mean, they're, they're a great venue. It's a great place to play, and it's super laid back. And just a, it's a different feel than a lot of other venues around here. So you, you definitely should play there again sometime when it doesn't go like that. But I can see why that would be such a negative, like... And another show for you. that we were supposed to play that we dropped out on that I was upset about. I don't know if you know the band called Head P.E. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were supposed to open for yeah, them. This fucking guy. I, you ever heard of Guttermouth? You ever heard I of Head P.E.? I don't know like, because I don't. It's Nick's version time. of mansplaining punk music yeah, to you. Yeah, right? It's like, <laughs> it's uh, the first yeah, time. I've only been in the music industry for 30 years. I don't know any of these yeah. bands you're referencing, sir. <laughs> it's the first time meeting you, so I don't know, you know? I'm just asking. Head P.E., hey, who's that? Hey, do you? Do, I remember? actually know a guy named Scott McKinley who has hosted Head P.E. numerous times. He's local, um, and he has kind of his own little label, and he's, he's got a couple other business endeavors. A really good friend of mine, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's hosted not just Head P.E., but uh, Snoop Dogg, like a lot of the big artists, uh, Bone Thugs wow. and Harmony, um, some, good, some big rock artists, too. He's actually been working with uh, December and Red closely for the last couple of years, uh, my friend Dan Gardner's band. Um, they're an awesome band. But, yeah. Uh, and we were supposed to open up for them, but like last minute, we had to fucking ditch out in Studio Seven because I think we were fighting and trying to figure out what songs we were going <laughs> to play. It, it happened right as the band was basically breaking up, if I yeah. recall. And uh, I had gotten the opportunity emailed to me, and uh, luckily I had just been helping shoot Hemfest right before that, so they had Head PE there also, and I got a chance to meet the guys after the show. Well, so I was really looking forward to it. And then just internal differences, we kind of not only didn't play that show, but we didn't play any others after that, yeah. I think. Interesting, and then I moved- not to cut you off, but interesting little factoid I want to make sure and get in here. We talked about it earlier, is when I first met Jesse, he was in a band called Midst of Autumn. And- no, 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 I wasn't in Midst of Autumn. I was in Resonance. We played with Midst oh, of Autumn. Oh, you played with Midst of yeah. Autumn. Okay, that's right. Well, Midst of Autumn was one of the first bands that Jolene ever uh, interviewed on KSW's Loud and Local when Jolene took over the show from Peanut. She had actually asked me at the time if I knew some bands to send her way, and Midst of Autumn was one of the bands that I sent her way because they were, if you remember those guys, they were just amazing. Yeah, we loved so, playing with them. We brought them to Portland for a show with us one time. Like, we, we had a lot of fun with those guys. Yeah. So apparently he liked them better than Resonance. Well, he was working with them. He only yeah. worked oh, with okay. us when we happened I to I was do a damn show near managing them, them uh, because. I see. Yeah. yeah. I, did a bunch of shows with them. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. So there was no like animosity or dislike. It's just he was already working with them, and the only reason I met him was because we were playing shows with them also. And it, it was them and uh, Superfecta that we we probably did about half our shows total with a combination of those two. And um, sorry, there's a. What are you guys looking Actually, for? Actually, I'll talk for a second. What are you looking for? I was for? trying to subtly have Jesse get my phone. He put it on the charger because oh, I got to get the Facebook questions that people ask me, but I didn't yeah. know where you put it. Dude, oh, this yeah. is more laid back. You don't got to be subtle okay. about that. Just get him. Hey, where do you put my uh, phone? I'm going to flip the script and ask Nick a couple questions. Yeah. All right. Fun time. Fuck yeah. That's more fun. So uh, I hear you're a dad. Yeah, I am a dad. Well, congrats on that. How many kids you got? I only have one. She's 10 years old, but um, having a ghetto baby mama doesn't really help the fact of trying to be a good dad because it's a real pain in the ass and going to court with so many times and all the lies that she says and it's just crazy to me as you try to be a good father and you want to do things right having the other half of that telling fucking lies and everything it really bums a person out like right now because i'm with the girlfriend i'm i'm with 
the baby's mama doesn't matter who it is she always gets jealous or always tries to cause problems and like right now she puts my daughter in the middle so now my daughter doesn't really want to hang out with me because then her mom will get mad so i kind of let my daughter you know make her own decisions because i don't want her to get in trouble or have her you know feel bad because you know she likes the yeah, girlfriend you don't more get like it's I don't think any parent or any parent, at least that's a decent parent, wants to get the kids too much involved in the, the grown-up bullshit. Yeah, and that's what she does always, and it fucks my daughter up, and I feel bad, but there's nothing really you can do. I, You know, unless the baby's mom's doing drugs or doing something else that's against the law or not feeding the child or clothing, you're kind of stuck. Right. You're supposed to feed your children clothing? <laughs> yeah, dude. Or did you just say that funny? <laughs> Maybe I, I, I know maybe, what he meant. Maybe, maybe I said it funny, you know. All right, I'll, I'll go back to staying out of this one. I just I had to jump well, in there real well, quick. Well, how, how many how many kids do you have? I I have none, but never never mind. I'm not going to say that. Yeah, I don't have any either. I was just trying to figure out some bullshit like thing to talk about while Jesse grabbed my phone. Well, well see, originally I thought your name came from you know what's in your pants. That's why I thought all the X's. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I really quickly want to jump back because it's funny that you chose that question to ask him first, Ben. Because we were in the car, and uh, last week when we were planning to have Ben on this show, I sent him last week's episode and some links, and, you know, he listened to it to catch up. And he was listening to this part where Nick and I were kind of having a little debate, and Nick comes from a completely different uh, context on certain issues than I do because he is a father, and I'm not. And that's forever going to change your stance on certain issues. And so even if, you know, I feel like I'm all in the right in my head, you know, as I'm talking to someone like Nick or whoever, once you have kids that changes your priorities or it should, and it also changes your viewpoints on things. And so like, I'm kind of learning to have a slightly more accepting worldview of people who are a little different than I am in their values if they have kids, because I recognize that not all of that is just because of how they feel, it's because of what they think is well, right. Well, it's for a their matter kids. of perspective because what I was telling Jesse in the truck because I listened to the the other podcast and I, I I really love like Jesse's perspective on the world. But the thing I was reminding Jesse because just listening to Nick's points, he wasn't talking as somebody who necessarily has a problem with you know uh, transgendered people nah. using whatever bathroom yeah. they want to use. He has a problem as a father. He has a problem like what his children are being exposed to. Not saying being exposed to transgendered persons per se but the danger of a pedophile or the danger of you know those things was what he was referencing and so listening to listening to that podcast like i could see both sides of the issue i could see where you were coming from and i could see where he was coming from because yeah if i i don't have a child but if i had a child and just anybody who wanted to could walk into whatever restroom she's using that's going to be slightly unnerving i don't have problems with transgenders i'm (laughs) just saying no i don't well i hang out with you Spit it out. I was just saying, if that rule was never like made, so say like a regular guy just walks in the woman's bathroom, somebody's gonna notice. But now that pedophile, whatever, can be like, I'm gonna put on a dress, makeup, maybe fake boobs, and say I'm trans transitioning into a girl and walking to the woman's bathroom. Right. And that's honestly, that's honestly a valid point. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly a valid point. And it's not one I would have considered because I don't have kids. So I don't think about, well, and your argument was, you know, transgenders aren't pedophiles and they're just people trying to transition, which there's, complete validity what you're saying but his argument is somebody who is dangerous could use that fact right to enter into an environment where they could be a danger to others yeah and that's something that just doesn't always register in your head when you don't have children and that's genuinely why 
I'm able to have certain viewpoints that I have like that is because I'm not looking out for a child who can't do that for themselves. So that just doesn't occur to me, but it's different for someone like Nick who just can't seem to wrap it up before he has sex. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, uh, my girlfriend's daughter, we've been together like on and off for six years now. So her daughter is pretty much, a, you know, like my other daughter to right. me. Right now in school, fifth grade, they're learning this week about uh, sexual education. Today was the first day, and she was saying how they learned how, you know, babies are made. So it's, I, I don't know if you feel like if fifth grade's too soon for learning it. I don't remember uh, what age they did it for us when we were kids. Well, my sex education viewpoint is the sooner the better. Like, I think repressing sex education is not a healthy thing for society, mm -hmm. um, especially for kids, because... You know they're they're going to learn it one way or the other, and the yeah. more you try to repress things, honestly, we have a teen pregnancy epidemic in this country, and I think a lot of that's because of repressed sex education. To be honest, yeah, and and there's so many states that I feel are completely backwards because, and John Oliver does a great segment on this on one of his episodes of Last Week Tonight, and they're talking all about sex education and drilling into it. Not every state in this country even mandates that the information given in sex ed be accurate. Right. And think of how scary that is. That's, I mean, if you said that about math, kids wouldn't be learning math. If you don't have to have your math education be accurate, then pretty soon you're going to end up like Nick building airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's a slippery slope. And so it should definitely be regulated. I think that, you know, younger is better within a, you know, certain realm of normalcy so that they can process what you're talking about well it, w it would be in layers of course but i think you know from a very young age kids should be taught you know what their bodies are what their bodies do what is appropriate what is inappropriate yeah. you know, especially with like adult interaction that's important for kids to learn yeah because if kids aren't told that then they don't know and if you got a six or seven year old kid walking down the street and an adult they've never met wants to give them a hug and grab their ass or something, you know, and they haven't been taught that, hey, this is wrong and this is not cool and you need to tell somebody, they're not going to fucking know. This is how kids end up in people's cars and vans and shit because they don't know. So I think that education is important. And as they're going into, um, and for us, it seems like super young, but, you know, I can remember as young as like 10 or 11 years old being aware of my sexuality, you know, um, so starting teaching them sort of young and educating them on what's going on, what's happening. Cause if they don't know, then they're just embarrassed by everything. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm not going to lie though. I wish I kind of had a boy instead of two girls, because I feel like having a boy would be a lot easier to tell them and what to do. Having, having a girl is like really awkward and I just don't want her to like know at all. So like, you know, she well, does that. And it's harder sex, because yeah. you're a guy. I mean, you yeah. have, you have different plumbing. You can teach a boy about a boy as a man. Yeah. But even, you know, same thing for a single mom. It's hard to, for her to teach a boy about boy issues because she's not a boy. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, I mean, that can make it more difficult as well. Yeah. Um, now, we've already gone over our stories about how we got the sex talk from our parents, right? We've already done those on the show before. I know I, I've told mine. I didn't really have sex talks because I've had I had my older brother Wade, so I kind of I kind of <laughs> the way that came out was just yeah. Awesome. Did Wade have boundary issues? No, <laughs> I know it wasn't boundary issues. It was just like I saw porn in like porn magazines. So like my parents never really talked to me about it. I kind of just found out on my own. Finding... So your mom found that suitcase of your buddies yes. and burned all the yep. magazines. She burned all my porno magazines. All right. So I but people have a rough context of how you and I learned about this. Now, Ben, you come from another part of the country originally, and you've been here for a long time. What was Wait, what really? was that kind of experience like for you? Are you from Boston? 
Baston? Baston? Not the East Coast, actually from the Midwest. From, ah, originally okay. from Oklahoma. So North Dakota. Oh, Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of reasons I actually chose this state. I specifically chose this state after a lot of research because um, Chicago was another area I considered. Um, Seattle was an area. I definitely wanted to go somewhere that had a vibrant music scene. That was part of it. Um, Chicago I opted against because uh, cold weather, crime was a lot higher there. Um, I got to, yeah, I'd been through Seattle a couple times touring with bands and just loved the culture and loved the community. These guys are so funny. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to grab ass me. That's I was awesome. trying to make Nick break during the story just because I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of a troll. Sure, no, I'm, I'm air quoting. Yeah, he was trying to make Nick break during the story. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I moved up here basically because of the diversity in culture and just community, and that has not let me down for the most part. I mean, like any state, any area, there's problem, there's problem areas, but I mean, in general, Washington is a pretty cool place. And I mean, there's you know a big miss, you know, people are like, oh, Washington, it's a bunch of bleeding heart liberals that are hugging trees. It's like, no, this state has, you know, uh, I almost said communists. <laughs> this state has conservatives. It has liberals. It has people in every walk of life. You know, it's just. People here, I have, I have a lot of friends that are conservative, and they're cool people. Like, I don't give a shit what your alignment is. Like I said, it's judging a person on the merit of the person. Like, um, you know, I have some liberal friends that are fucking crazy. So yeah. just being liberal doesn't make you awesome. Like, you know, if you're a crazy person, you're a crazy person. I yeah. think people need to realize that. When you watch videos of people talking to a crazy liberal or a crazy conservative, they're, they're talking to a crazy person. It, yeah. doesn't, it has nothing to do with them being a liberal or a conservative. They're talking to a crazy person. It's if you an talk extreme to a example. sane person who has a sane outlook on an issue, then you actually get somewhere when you're discussing these issues. So I'm, are you not really like into like political views then, or do you try to stay oh, away I, from those? I have tons of political views, but... They are specific to the view. I don't yeah, he keeps identify, them off Facebook like a normal person. Yeah, yeah. I don't identify as like, I, mean, I, I probably lean a little more liberal, but mm -hmm. I don't identify as a liberal or conservative. I identify as a fucking American. Right. You know, and it, whatever Emphasis we're talking on about, you know, because yeah. um, some, some of my viewpoints are conservative. I have very conservative viewpoints when it comes to gun control, you know. Especially with that new um, law that came out, huh? I probably wasn't paying attention, but. Uh, where they, uh, I think it's 10, I don't know what the number is, but when they came out and said, you know, you had to be 21 years old now to buy a rifle. Now everything has to be locked and secure no matter where you are in your house or in the car. Because if someone breaks in and uses your gun, you're going to get blamed for it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Honestly, this country, so what a lot of people tend to just not think about, especially in the South. Here's the funny thing. People in the South, and I, I'm, I'm not like, hey, I love people in the South because there's some racist fucking backwards-ass people in the South. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I will say this. People in the South, they don't go around owning guns to go shoot other people. They own guns to, to hunt, to shoot game, or to protect their homes. Like, yeah. The shootings happen in the much more urban communities you know, than the rural ones. Like, you know, People in rural communities, they just want to have a gun so they can protect their goddamn home. And I'm all about that. That's why I said my viewpoint on that is very conservative because that's sure. one issue. And there's exceptions to every rule. you got to read every situation. But I watched tons of things about 80-year-old women that fucking protected their home that got broke into because yeah. they had a fucking gun. Yeah, or children who were able to do the same thing, which is yeah, still touchy. I mean, they're guns. Guns are dangerous. I mean, the, the whole people don't people kill people, guns kill, or guns don't kill people, people kill people. That's fucking stupid. Guns are dangerous. you got to recognize that guns are dangerous. But that doesn't mean people should not be allowed to own them. You, you meet that middle ground. You allow people to own guns, and you make sure they are aware that they're dangerous. That's where you fucking win.
Here's where I think that it should come in since we're on this topic. Um, I think it's kind of a twofold approach where, number one, you don't you don't make it necessarily more difficult to get them. You just I, I really am in favor of strong background checks and things like that. But I think that we should make guns more like we do with vehicles where it's totally legal to own one. And if you do own one, you have to carry insurance. So I think, and obviously insurance can't repay for lives or anything, but there has been so many instances of a gun being stolen or guns having, you know, damage brought on them that, you know, involved people or whatever. So if you own a gun, I think you should be required to carry firearm insurance of some kind that, you know, if someone steals your gun and goes and shoots someone and they end up in the hospital, that insurance would cover that person's medical bills because they're kind of just a harmless victim who had nothing to do with the gun in the first place. So I, I think there could be some kind of a responsible way to do that, but that's just kind of one, yeah, but one thought I've the had. whole conversation of who's actually paying that insurance. You know, is it the insurance company? Is it, is it just, it's, it's, I, I get your viewpoint, but I think that's why I said, you know, the middle ground is to be aware of the danger of guns and teach the responsibility. Like I definitely think, you know, American citizens should be able to own firearms. That's this country was built on that concept yeah you know so the government didn't become too powerful that its citizens could be armed if your citizens can be armed then your citizens need to be aware of the danger of what they are carrying what they have in their homes and be educated and be responsible that's the middle ground because when you're flipping off the oh guns it's people that kill people guns don't guns are fine then that's an irresponsible attitude of course because that's how kids grab guns and people get killed and things like that that's an irresponsible attitude to have you have an, a responsible attitude you recognize the danger of that weapon because it is a dangerous weapon it's of a course. fatal weapon and then allow people to carry them under that mindset yeah yeah and we we just don't do a great job of that kind of educational thing because once once this topic comes up people instantly hunker back into their little safety net of their party or whatever and they go okay wait i'm a republican okay you can't take our guns meanwhile half of them don't even own guns they're just (laughs) aligning with the people that are like them quote unquote and so yeah middle ground is and i just want to be a proponent of conversation about these things because it's the only way that we're going to actually work through any of this shit is if we're able to talk about it in a reasonable way without someone just getting pissed off and leaving or getting pissed off and shooting someone. You know? Well, I rarely <laughs> you know invest, what I mean? like, and in, in this forum, I can actually have this conversation, which is cool. Um, I rarely invest in any conversations about this type of stuff online because you're dealing with that kind of gangland mentality. I'm either blue or I'm red, you know. Um, I call it the political version of Bloods and Crips. You know, I'm either blue or I'm red. There's no in-between. You know, if you're not my caller, you're the enemy, you know, type of mentality that a lot of people have in these conversations. And that also is is not productive at all. And right. I mean, nothing else in life is bipartisan. Why should your politics be, you know? Well, because that's, you know, America was built on that, but it's gone to the extreme now. It's built on having a couple different ways to look at something because the idea is you find the middle ground and you right. have a good solution. I thought America was built on cornbread and bows and arrows. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. But uh, that's was, true. I was doing some Facebook. Of course, and- Nick would come out with the most liberal statement of everybody. I was, I was, and yet he probably has no idea what he just said. Yeah, yeah. no, it's awesome. It's true. <laughs> this country was straight up jacked. I don't want to say their names because I was Facebook stalking you earlier. And you have some fans that want some questions answered. Oh, I think he was going to ask us yeah, these, fine. actually. It's... No, I All think right, it was about... It. Yeah. All yeah. right, do it. Um, what made you pick up a bass guitar or Actually, you can instrument? say their names. They'll be thrilled to be okay. on the fucking thing. This one's by Eve Clark, I believe. Eve Clark is a local musician, plays in a band. Yeah. 
She wants to know what made you pick up a bass guitar or your first instrument. Uh, my first instrument was a keyboard. Um, I picked it up just because I needed something to do, I, honestly. And once I started writing some songs on it, I got super like hooked. And that eventually kind of led its way to bass guitar. But my first instrument that a lot of people don't know this actually was a keyboard. Nice. Nick, was your first one a guitar? Yeah, it was. My parents actually, no. My parents wanted me to play piano first before they let me play guitar. Two keyboard players. But I gave up on it because it was boring to me, and then they just finally bought me a guitar. Still did it first, still counts. What yeah. do you think mine was? Trumpet. Nope. Ben, any guesses? Nope. Tenor saxophone. Oh, nice. Well, oh, he was close. That's right. Yeah, I, uh, I ended up kind of transferring those skills to guitar later once I got, you know, more well-versed in guitar and transposition of music. Because, uh, like, the tenor sax is a B-flat transposing instrument, so a C on it will be a B-flat on a concert pitch instrument. So there is a lot of kind of background work, but I think it ended up helping kind of train me into being a better musician overall. Awesome. But nice responses. A gay, a gay one. Anyways. Fuck you! I think this I think this is how the name's right. Uh, Kayleen Knight. I don't understand this question. Maybe you will. What's your role in the bedroom, and are you more on one side or somewhat sw switchable on the subject? I think uh, she means like dom. Kayleen so. is a she's a good friend of mine, and yeah, she's talking about a dominant submissive roles in the bedroom. Um, so I, for most of my life, have identified as as a dominant role. Um, switching switching means being open to either role, which ah, I okay. switching I've not done very often it's a rare thing i have switched in my lifetime but it's a very rare thing it has to be like a super special person for me to consider switching out of that role um i have identified in the last few years i mean i used to be like this super super kinky guy but uh talking to a lot of my <laughs> female friends i have identified in the last few years that my personality is far more both sapiosexual and demisexual and if you don't know what that means a uh, sapiosexual uh having a sexual attraction to people with great intelligence and uh demisexual um having a sexual attraction to people that you have an emotional connection to Interesting. Those so, seem like better things to be attracted to anyway. Uh, yes and no. I mean, you know, because boats and hoes. Boats and hoes. <laughs> boats and hoes. That's um, right. But, but, you know, you get a certain age and things change. Like, I, you know, I, I had my wild days as a kid and, you know, just kind of, not to quote Easy E, but find him, fuck him, and flee. I was that guy. I had those days, you know. Like, but that doesn't really do much for your life. Like, it's fun, you know, but you, know, you learn as you get older, like, those things have both, you know, consequences and they don't really do much for you. So it's the more meaningful uh, relationships that actually mean something for your life. Yeah. Um, As you get older, you end up looking more for companionship than just a hot time. Yes. Um, so if we're asking these questions, I want to have all of us answer them too. So Nick, what's your answer to that? What, what's your role in the bedroom? And do you switch? Because I, I know that sometimes Lindsay has to strap it on and you've been a bad boy and she has to... No, you know, actually, I'm really afraid of butt play. I've never done it. Either way? Either way. Well, you never had her stick a finger up your pooper if she was feeling No, scary? I've had past ex-girlfriends try that, and then it freaked me out during, and then I'd like be like, no. So, so no. what is your role in the bedroom? I guess mine, that's a tough one. I try to either dominate or I try to make it even. Sometimes I like them to take control, and then I just lay there and enjoy the moment. Or either I like to do the choking or pulling the hair or slap the Ooh. ass a little bit. It seems, but doing both, or it seems like girls this day and age like the whole pulling the hair thing or slapping the ass. I feel like they like it rough. Or if it's like a special moment, every once in a while they do want the emotional missionary connection, looking into their eyes and, you know, having that. 
I think it's good to have both. And, like, if you watch a lot of, like, nature documentaries, you'll see animals that just don't care about each other that'll meet one time a year to mate or whatever. And it's kind of a rough process. And so I think that there is some kind of a latent uh, instinctual attraction to the type of mating even as people where it's a little more rough and feels a little more quote-unquote natural if you will well if you get into the psychological aspects of it which is my one of my favorite subjects um it's the more feral nature of human beings um the whole rough sex phenomenon and i call it a phenomenon because it really kind of came out in the mainstream maybe just 10 or 15 years ago it's a pretty recent thing where rough yeah. sex actually became an acceptable thing to discuss like in a public environment like this well, yeah it's probably because of 50 shades of gray honestly <laughs> you know, i mean that probably helped well as much as i hate it. to give credit to that that you're partially correct because that novel was a mainstream novel that kind of put you know now the bdsm community doesn't necessarily claim that novel for reasons we won't get into sure but it still was kind of the thing that put you know the the rough sex slash BDS community in excuse me BDSM community into the the public eye and, and it doesn't have to be a super accurate reflection of what they do or what they're all about but I will disagree with that wholeheartedly Ooh, shenanigans here's the one reason I'm gonna I just want to finish why I was saying that first I don't think it has to be accurate because it's not it's not trying to be a documentary on BDSM it's trying to idealize it and i haven't even read it i haven't seen one of the books or anything but anytime something's not super accurate this happens in like space films and with physics all the time the the idea is that you trade off some of the accuracy for some of the artistic license now do you I, think I disagree with that fully and okay. i say this knowing the bdsm community because the bdsm community is based very very largely on one specific thing which is consent right and um so the problem is is that misrepresented, especially in a mainstream format such as as, as that movie is, and um, you know, basically showing what is a slightly toxic male personality, um, you know, in, in imposing his will. I mean, submission is more of a gift than something you take as a dominant. It's um, still consensual submission. Correct. Submission in most BDSM communities, I mean, the submission is a gift from the submissive to the dominant. The dominant is a dominant, but the submission is a gift. So, you know, it's not something you forcefully take or that you basically manipulate somebody into. I think the thing with Fifty Shades of Grey is, like, there was a lot of manipulation going on in that story. And um, it's just, it, it made a lot of people squirm because it, it vastly misrepresented, like, the BDSM community. And for people in a mainstream market that may not know about this community and it being misrepresented such, that's why I said I disagree with you, artistic license has to take a backseat to uh, representation because it hasn't been represented. There was, now, let's go before Fifty Shades of Grey. There okay. was a fantastic movie that everybody loves in the BDSM community called Secretary. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, watch Secretary. The thing with Secretary, though, was that dynamic was, it was intense, but it was fully consensual. And it's, it's a very important movie for people to watch that really want to understand the BDSM community. I mean, it's a movie, so there's a few, you know, emotional, and there's some things that happen but in general, it gives you an idea of why this dynamic, uh, dynamic excuse me, is exciting for both parties and how it builds sometimes and how it grows. Um, I don't get too far into this because uh, I do want to get some of these other questions. I'm gonna, I, full disclosure, I did this podcast tonight because these guys really wanted me on, and I'm happy to be here, but I'm also not feeling too great. So I do want to wrap up here before too, too long. Yeah, yeah. Ben's been a super trooper through all of this yeah. so far. Let's, yeah. let's get one more question. Go around the room. Um, I actually – Oh, Ben's got one. Uh-oh. Well, there's two specifically that I want to answer. Uh, Neil Jordan, I love you, but I'm not going to answer your question. It's a Star Trek question, and I love that he did that. 
but uh, or I'll just give you a one-word answer. Corinthian leather. Boom. Okay. So I was I wondering get to Max. what that meant. Yeah, me too. I was trying to. I want to get to Max Zelensky now, uh, or Zaleski, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Max is the organizer, producer for the local uh, wrestling outfit called Without a Cause, WAC. Uh, check out their page on Facebook, and Max is a super cool guy. Is that like real wrestling or like WWE style like wrestling? wrestling? Okay, okay. It's all real wrestling. But, well, I'm but sorry for using her. That some word. of it's like actual. Sure, yeah. okay. Anyways. Uh, Max's question is, what is something you want to learn more about? Interestingly enough, I had an answer to that, which was astrology. Mm. Um, because I've always kind of dismissed it my entire life as, you know, hokey pokey hippie nonsense. And, but I know that there's a lot of people that put a lot into astrological signs, you know, and, and um, I don't want to be that person who is just like, get off my lawn with that shit. Like, I want to kind of do some research and at least understand more of what they're talking about. So that's something I want to learn more about. And then uh, jumping, uh, Steve Bergstrom, I got to give a big shout out to Steve. Uh, Steve is the singer for a band called The Finger Guns and has been one of my greatest kind of behind the scenes right arms over the last few years. He does a lot of the flyer work that, you know, we do for either Little Bin Productions or Tony B's Garage. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, you know, he's been just super supportive when my dog passed away and things I was dealing with. He was always there. Hey, dude, do you need anything? Is there any way I can help you? Like Steve is, I had to give him a big shout out because he's, he's one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, his question was, if you had a boat, what would you name it? I can answer this question without Ooh, hesitation, okay. too, because I'm a fucking Trek nerd. I would name it the USS Enterprise, Beaches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, what would you name your boat? I would name mine Snoochie Boochies. Snoochie Boochies. Nice, nice reference That's to Jay and Silent Bob. Bob yeah, yeah. Um, I, God, I, I've gone back and forth on this kind of topic in my head a few times, and I think I would have to go with Serenity. I like it. Yeah, just and uh, I get that reference too. I love that show. If you've never seen Firefly or the movie Serenity, uh, first of all, I don't know where you've been for the last twenty years. But second, the, there's so much in those shows. I, I rewatch it like once a year, and there's just so much good acting, so much great writing, and just seeing the dynamics, especially with Anara and uh, how she's like. You know, they in the future they have these um, uh, companions who are registered people of high status in the universe, but they're all prostitutes and they, they give you that nice kind of you know full date experience so you're paying them for their time but they're registered they're people of status they're respected and i always liked playing with dynamics like that like what if someone like that was more at the top of the food chain instead of you know being viewed as the bottom right and i i love how joss whedon and all those guys are able to put so many cool ideas into one single season of a show and have it mean something for so many people and just be gone well and it was like a fucking space western. We had never had that before. Right. Just, just the concept was cool. Um, so I wanted to jump to something, if I may, because we got to wrap soon. This yeah. might be shorter than your normal format, but oh no, we're totally good. Um, I want to jump to something Jesse and I were discussing earlier, which actually I thought was a great subject. Um, a subject on something we're we're both fans of, but we're fans of like the same artist, but for two different reasons from two different perspectives. Um, an artist named Dan Abadan. Um, so Jesse knows him from Ninja Sex Party. Ah, yes. And, oh, okay. Um, I know him from a show on YouTube called The Game Grumps. Yep. And so I've been following The Game Grumps for a number of years. And, um, you know, I don't comment on a lot of their stuff or, you know, like stalk them on fucking Twitter or Reddit or any of that stuff, you know. Um, I just may mostly do Facebook. But, but I've been watching their YouTube channel for the longest time. Like, it's been a huge part of what, like, makes me laugh at night, what calms me down when I'm stressed out. Like, I, so, you know, if these guys ever happen to listen to this podcast, like, Big fucking shout out to you dudes because uh, what you do is super cool and it does help a lot of people and you are appreciated and your your humor 
is top notch. Your fucking personalities are fucking awesome. Um, but Jesse, so the the conversation we were having, you know, he ha- was not that familiar with uh, uh, Game Grumps, no. but he he loves Ninja Sex Party. Like he's been following Ninja Sex Party for a long time, which is uh, Danny Abadan from Game Grumps band. It's a As comedy Danny band. Danny Sex Bang and my brother Jacob actually, I have to give credit for introducing me to them. And my friends have kind of hated it since because I'll yeah, always show I'm them kinda, the new songs. I'm kind of you know fifty fifty with it, but I do like the humor and the comedy of it. And I never thought they were actually that big until they were like playing at the Paramount Theater or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and they've been on Conan so it's recently. crazy to me how someone like that can become that big especially in this you know time and age or whatever because it makes me feel like well we're in a band how come we can't fucking get there <laughs> well we can <laughs> you know? but like what where this conversation went with ben was like we both liked both of these groups because i've seen game grumps i like it but they're not my entry point into that world whereas they are his and he kind of saw ninja sex party secondarily and it's funny how we both started at separate points but we still both like kind of the same group of people for similar reasons, and that just we're from both, different. We're both big fans of different properties by the same artist. Like, he's yeah. a big Ninja Sex Party fan. And I like Ninja Sex Party videos, don't get me wrong, but I'm so a big Game like, Grumps fan. Would it be kind of like referencing, like, you know, you have Tool, and then you have, like, a perfect circle? Is that kind of the same concept? Similar, yeah. Or, Similar. like, Slipknot and Stone Sour. Yeah. Like, yeah. you might okay. be a bigger fan of one, and maybe you start liking Stone but Sour get, and didn't realize. But we're realize. talking about... Uh, an artist that has two musical projects. Right. This right. is more of like, these are, the Game Grumps specifically are comedy YouTube Let's Players. And they're actually, their format versus most Let's Players is more of a podcast format. You don't it's similar either, they don't this. put cameras on themselves. It's just two guys and they fucking bullshit and they have a great time. Yeah. And there's a lot of spinoffs of Game Grumps. Game Grumps is so popular these days. I mean, they have what's called the 10 Minute Power Hour where they actually have a live show where they do some dumb shit for 10 minutes. Um, they have Steam Train. They have like all these. If you if you go down the Game Grumps rabbit hole, you'll be there for a very long time. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of content. There's a lot of great stuff. Um, I love those guys. And that's how I found out about Ninja Sex Party. Um, and also they another band, Starbomb, which yeah. they have. Yeah, a great band. They um, do a lot of good covers in Starbomb, also. Yeah. Um, so they do a lot of great work uh, with those properties. But it, uh, Jesse and I thought it was interesting. We wanted to talk about it because just having that perspective of approaching things from two different angles and uh, you know i've had a lot of people tell me like that they kind of identified me with tony v's you know and like tony is tony v's tony Berhey, he's my boss he's my good friend he's tony v's without him i wouldn't do what i do i wouldn't have him fucking have this awesome place to work but you know like this last year you know tony's been taking some time for himself as he should so there's quite often where i'll be running the floor at night you know handling the bands or whatever because it is a large venue you got to have somebody doing that yeah and there's it became to that point where there's people like are you tony are you tony he's like no i'm not tony i'm not <laughs> fucking tony and and the funny thing also is that oh shit i literally just had a thought i was i was trying to hold it the whole whole time you were saying okay talking about t- perspective cause... perspective and liking things oh, and you damn. you wanted to rub my nipples no oh oh i remember no Perfect. so we were having these the conversations <laughs> i went and picked up ben to do the show and we were having these conversations and while we were waiting for nick and we were talking about these great things and the whole time i'm riding this awkward wave between going okay i want to keep talking about this but i want to save some of that conversation for oh, when we're yeah. recording and i think that's going to be a trap for future guests is not knowing how to be like pleasant without getting into the beaten potatoes because that would have been a great conversation to have like for the first time on the mics also 
You know what right. I mean? Like, so we're still getting used to this format and everything, but you've been a fucking awesome guest so far. Yeah, it really helped me out a lot because I'm usually like nervous or shy when I don't know anybody at all. So this is like putting me out of my comfort zone and that trying to actually like talk to you and have a conversation yeah. or trying to next tell time you, you'll be straddling you. the guest instead of me. Yeah. And you got yeah. lucky because I told Jesse, I think yesterday we were talking about it. I was like, I'm going to fuck with Nick so hard. And because I, I heard at the end of the last podcast, we were like, oh, I'm kind of nervous. I never met this guy. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to fuck with this guy so hard. But no, I mean, you're super cool guy, Nick. I like had a good Thank time. Yeah, you too. I really um, hope to see you at that Mushroom Head show, maybe. Well, you know, I'm going to be working it, so I'll all definitely right. be there. Yeah, yeah. so there's only one last thing we got to do, and we have a very specific way that we like to say goodbye on here. I don't know if you caught it on the end of the episode you heard. Wait, but, before you do that, oh, before you do that, oh, just it. in case... Ninja Sex Party is listening to this, or Danny is... Sex Bang. Like said, or, yeah, yeah, Ninja Brian. Fan, um, I do work at a music venue called Tony B's Garage. It's a, like a 500-capacity place. It's a rad place. We do have some big acts come through, like we got Mushroom Head coming through. I would love to get Ninja Sex Party in there. Send us an email. Tell us what you need. We'll fucking make it happen, because I know we could pack that place out, and it'd be awesome. So that's I just doable. get that out there. Yeah, think, Compared to Ryan yeah. Reynolds or Sarah Silverman, that's yeah. pretty doable. yeah. I mean, um, I don't think we'd get Danny Avedan on this podcast. No, no, no. probably not. Maybe. You Maybe. never know. He might have pity on us. <laughs> uh, but So we have a very specific way that we like to say goodbye. I kinda, it kind of came up generically, or I'm sorry, um, organically um, through the show, and that is that I like to wish everyone a consensual day. Or a homosexual you, day. Well, that's what you do. I, I like to wish people a consensual <laughs> day just because not only the obvious reasons, but it means that everything in your day kind of goes how you'd like it to go. You approve of everything. It's comfortable. It, it's, it's a great thing to wish on people. This guy doesn't live in the real world. <laughs> it sounded like you put a filter on his voice or something. Uh, I just did my Satan voice just for that. But I, I just hope everyone out there has a consensual <laughs> You're a sweet day. sweet guy, Jesse. I yeah. try to be sometimes. Yeah. Unless I'm dealing with Nick. Oh, that felt good. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, thanks again for listening. Once again, our special guest, Little Ben, Ben Scott from uh, Tony B's and so many other And it's pursuits. not because he has a small dick, everyone. As you heard, he gave you the backstory about no, his name. But if you keep bringing that up, I'm going to start calling you Little Nick for that reason. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Ben, you want to say goodbye to the people? Uh, thank you guys for having me. Thanks for everybody that listened. It's awesome. Hell yeah. And until next time. Have a consensual day. No, I was, I'm Jesse, a.k.a. Random Hero. I'm Jesse, a.k.a. No. Random Hero. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm Nick, a.k.a. Punkcast. And I'm Everyone. Jesse, and you've been listening to Cheeky Shenanigans. Shenanigans. Ooh. And I'm Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yes. No, you sound more like Sarah Silverman. <laughs> I'm Sarah Silverman. <laughs> Do Cheeky it. Shenanigans. Oh. You're talking about shenanigans, right? Cheeky shenanigans.